mic check, mic check. Yes, I do come here to get away sometimes, but I don't like I don't like being here all the time because I'll lonely. be in here and then I'll I'll hear like stuff going out, you know, in the warehouse, like some random noises and stuff like that. So I'll just take my laptop and I'll just go somewhere else. That's so what's up, Cyrus? What's up, man? Finally, finally made it. I finally made it. I finally um, made it back to Texas. Woo! Oh, you're like proper like moved back now? Yeah, I'm here for two years. Two years? Are you done with uh, your residency? No. no, no, no. Am I allowed to curse on this? Yeah, absolutely. I am. I'm not paying that. <laughs> How many years do you have left? All right, so... I did two years of my general surgery residency. There's five total. I'm taking two years off in the middle to do research, which is what I'm doing now. I've got three more years left after I'm done here, which I have to go back to Indiana for. And then at least, well, not necessarily at least, some amount of years of fellowship, depending on what kind of fellowship I want to do. So, so fellowship is like super specializing. Okay. So that's where you'll really figure out what you want to do. Yeah. So like basically, well, what about like some people, I know my, I have a friend that, that uh, he's a doctor and uh, he, he did his med school in the, like the Caribbean. He went to St. Lucia. Yeah. So he spent his time over there and then came back. How, is, did you have that option? Like, did you have a chance to go to like, I feel like the Caribbean is an option for most people or like for medical school. It is, uh, I, I didn't go that route, but it's an option. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Galveston for medical school. Galveston. Okay. That's part of the UT system. So, and then you went to Indiana. What's like, what's the school in Indiana? That's just, that's for surgery residency. Okay. So you probably saw some pretty disgusting stuff. All kinds of shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can curse. Um, all right then. What is okay? Just just tell me. Just what is the well, number one thing? You gotta tell me what you want to hear. Well, like I know you probably went into like year one, like expecting like some stuff. But what was something that like you just were not prepared for? So you can. I feel like you can't prepare for residency at all. Residency is a shit show. Yeah. So you walk in day one, and you're thrown into the fire. Like, so you go to medical school for four years, right? Yeah. They don't really teach you how to be a doctor in medical school. They teach you the knowledge, like the yeah. the basic science stuff, but they don't teach you how to be a doctor. Residency is where you learn how to be a doctor. But all of a sudden you're an intern and you're thrown into the fire and day one comes and it's, so we do month to month rotations mm-hmm. and day one is just supposed to be day one of whatever rotation you're on. And that could be anything with general surgery. So for me, it was in the ICU. So okay. I show up, there's 10 patients in the ICU and normally there's a critical care fellow. So like I said, fellowship is specializing. So this fellow was, you know, training to be a critical care surgeon yeah. running the ICU. She wasn't there that day. This was like a Sunday. Oh God. This is July 1st on a Sunday. Years ago. I have last year. I have never been a doctor before and there was supposed to be an anesthesia resident 
who is also like my counterpart on the service. Mm -hmm. But it's just me. So there's a staff surgeon who is supervises everything. But other than him, it was just me running the ICU that day. I had no idea what I was doing. Zero idea. You, so you were like you were panicking. I panicked. You were it was crazy. It's crazy. But that's what it, that's what intern year is like no matter what, whether it's surgery, anytime you go into residency, any kind of residency, day one, you know, like I said, residency is where you learn to become a doctor. Yeah. But day one isn't like they don't ease you into it. You just you're thrown into it and you just you just gotta Do you feel know. like they do that because they want you to sort of figure out how to handle handle stressful situations and stuff like I that? I mean, I think part of it is that, but also like it's no, it's like it's so jarring that you yeah. only have to rely on your like on yeah. your knowledge. It's that and it's it's a. Uh, it's something that people don't tell you before residency is that you really have to prepare for residency more mm -hmm. than more than most people think. So our fourth year of medical school, most most places, the last half of it, you literally don't do anything. So a lot of people travel the world. I went to New Zealand. It was amazing. Yeah. But when you come back, you have to start you know, reading stuff. You have to start studying basically yeah. so, all over again. So would you say like medical life. school is like, if I could compare, it would probably be like learning, you know, your plus add, minus subtract, uh, you know, divide, multiply, and then your actual residency is like college where you're applying. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, that's the real world. All of a sudden you're taking care of real people. I mean, there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of trust right there. That you There's know, a lot of trust. This young buck coming into yeah, this hospital yeah. or whatever. A lot of trust. That's why people don't say don't get sick in July, man. Don't get sick in July. Don't get sick in August. Oh, because that's when all the young bucks. Yeah, that's when all the people in. start again. <laughs> is, <laughs> it's when everyone, everyone is new at whatever they're doing. Either you're a brand new intern or you're the intern who is now a second year and suddenly has way more responsibility. Whatever it is, July 1st. You are the new person in whatever your upgrade is. So June know, 1st, you mean? July 1st. July 1st. July okay. 1st. So whether you're a brand new full-fledged surgeon or a brand new doctor, or you're just like, you know, this is the start of your fourth year, you have a whole new set of like responsibilities and everything. So July 1st is always a shock to every doctor that's in training or who just got out of training. Jeez. I mean... I'm trying to think like, but you, what's important to remember is there's always someone supervising. So they, but they, but also they would have to be like ready to like deal with stuff. If shit hits the fan, like, yeah, like if, if it, if it's someone that's supervising, they have been in your position already. Oh yeah. So yeah. they're well, well versed in that, which is why they're supervising you. The problem is, is that the intern or the first year is the first person who responds to whatever is going on. So really the role of the intern or the first year is to make sure that you make whoever's above you aware of what's going on. Cause that is where, yeah. that's where bad things happen is where the people who respond to whatever situation is going on first, they get cocky and they say, I know what I'm doing and they don't get And then help. it just ends up really bad. Yeah. Cause you don't, you, you think you know what you're doing. You have no idea. What you're so doing. is there, so basically is there, there's truth to the show Scrubs. There's a lot oh, of truth. Oh, dude, the first season of Scrubs, super accurate. 
unbelievably accurate. Yeah, so basically that's what you went through. Yes. The first season of Scrubs is do you have very, a, very Do you valid. have like a Dr. Cox like equivalent guy? For surgery, it's like all of them. Oh, damn. So you, you could piss a lot Cox. of people off easily. Everyone, no <laughs> matter what you do, you're wrong. No matter what you do. Because one person will teach you to do one thing, and then the next person will say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So no matter what you do, you're wrong. Before I ask you this next thing, tell me, is it ethical to talk about this? Like, is it like you're okay with like this? This stuff is ethical. It gets on. Well, I guess the ethics is a gray part of this. It gets illegal if I start telling very specific things about patients. Like names and like ages. I cannot tell you. Yeah, obviously. I can tell you vague stories. I cannot tell you. Yeah, yeah. Like something. If I tell you a story that's like super specific. That's yeah. illegal. But like, like, if you can figure out who the patient is, that's illegal. Okay, obviously. But I feel like uh, those... Me just talking about residency stuff, that's not... Yeah, right. but I feel like the, those stories that you're saying that you have to be ca- kind of careful about, like, that happens to tons of people daily. So, like, how would you... Well, that's the thing, is if you're, like... I could tell you about, like, oh, this lady got into this really bad accident, and this happened to her, and this happened to her. Yeah. And it's probably vague. It's still probably vague enough that you're fine. Yeah, okay. So just don't name names. I have to I be guess. careful, is all I'm saying. <laughs> what was the... Okay, so now that I asked you that, what was your first, like, really bad mistake? Oh, man. <laughs> There's so many. The first one, like, you were... If you had just started... So, okay, so here's here was... No, no, no. The, the, the first biggest one. The first month in the ICU. And, again, like I said before, the biggest mistake you can make as an intern is not getting help, not telling the people above you, hey, this is going, all you have to do, you could be doing absolutely the right things, but all you have to say is, hey, this is what I'm doing. Like, is there anything else I need to do? And so I'm in the ICU and it's the middle of the night um, because I'm doing like a week of nights. And this patient basically was in a bad car accident. No, he was a gunshot wound. He's a bad gunshot wound, mm-hmm. and he's essentially very sick, and his kidneys stopped working. And so we have to put him on sort of, you know what dialysis is? Yeah. So it's sort of dialysis that runs all the time, okay? It's just called, con- it's essentially Just functioning continuous. for his kidney while you figure it out. Right. He's very sick. The dialysis just needs to flush out things in his body. That, yeah. And so we're about to start him on that. I'm sitting in front of the room because the guy is very, very sick. And as soon as I leave, he's going to crash. So I'm just sitting in front of the room the entire night I spend in front of his room. And I'm texting my staff, like, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. And she's telling me back, do this, do this, do this. So she says, put him on the continuous dialysis. So we put him on that. And the nurses, it takes a while for the nurses to set that up. It takes a long time. And this is my first time using this machine ever mm-hmm. i don't physically do anything to the machine i just tell the nurses hey start this yeah right and so but i had never even heard of this in medical school i had never even known that this thing was yeah. an option because we didn't use but no, i had never no, seen it used. no nurse was like they saw his like i guess reports and no nurse was like hey we need to put him on this like you had to make the no call. well i mean i just at that point i was it, this was like I, I don't think it was even a week into residency so I had no idea what I was doing. Oh, okay. And some of the nurses, <laughs> the ICU nurses are always very good. 
because they're very most of them are very they've seen a lot of stuff yeah most of them are very experienced so, so a lot of the times they will tell you hey i think we should do this and I, we should do this which isn't always miss true but sometimes it is yeah anyway so we're putting them on that and this this nurse who i was working with took it upon herself to just not do it we the staff told me to put him on this like he is very very sick he could probably die at any minute and we're like hey we need to put him on this to like essentially save his life yeah for, for no other good terms um and she she just didn't do it didn't tell me, like I said, I'm sitting outside the room the entire time. Didn't tell me that she wasn't doing it. And then later I asked, I'm like, hey, what's taking so long putting this on? And she was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I wasn't going to do it. His blood pressure is too, too low. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not stable enough to put him on it. Which the whole point of this continuous dialysis is that it doesn't affect their blood pressure. Most dialysis does, but this one wouldn't. And so I just say, at that point, I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought, I was like, okay, that makes sense. You know, we're going to take off some blood. It's going to drop his blood pressure even more. It makes sense. Cool. Sounds good. I did not tell my staff that. And then probably in 30 minutes to an hour later, my staff texts me, is that guy on the dialysis yet? And I say, no. Like the nurse said this and this. And, yeah. this. and she loses it. She loses her fucking mind. She loses like, what yeah. the fuck, Cyrus? I told you to put that shit on. So the I guy, told you this an hour ago. The guy ended up dying. What? Like what? the next morning. Oh my god. The next morning. Holy shit. Yeah, he was. This was when we wanted to start it. It was like midnight, let's say something like that. Oh my god. The guy died the next morning oh when we're at like our conference. We have a weekly conference. We go to a conference, and. And I see my staff run out because she got a page that he was crashing, that he was coding. Yeah. And he didn't make it. Oh my God. And so we present this at our, <laughs> we have a conference every week called Morbidity and Mortality, which is where you present cases that went wrong. And we present this. I didn't present it because I was too young, like I'm an intern. And so the intern doesn't present at the conference. Yeah. And so my fellow or the, 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 uh, one of the upper level residents present this and, I don't think he knew about all this. And he was just like, I'm not sure what the delay was putting them on the dialysis, but that may have helped. Basically, this guy was going to die no matter what. He was unbelievably sick. He was going to die no matter yeah. what. But the mistake I made was not telling my staff, and she lost it. Yeah, but it, the in that situation, you didn't know that this sort of dialysis right. wasn't, wouldn't matter to his blood right. pressure. So in, in the end, this the staff was more upset at the nurse for just – First of all, we told her she, to do it. She and should she just know those things, though. She should know those things. She right? should know that, but honestly, either way, we told her to do something. She has to do it. Like it is, it is an order. Yeah. Right. And she can argue back, but if we say whether it's the right or the wrong thing to do, if we say to do something, they have to do it. Yeah. Plus, there's just valuable time, just like. Yeah. And so then, my staff was more away. pissed at the nurse, but she was obviously also very pissed at me. So what, what is, okay, so that was probably just an accident. That's almost an accident. What yeah, would be a and like I said, that guy was so sick, he was going to die anyway. Still, but like, okay, so say that that happens, what is a situation that you probably get fired? If you, so it is, it is hard to fire a resident. It's very hard to fire a resident. Mm -hmm. If you make enough mistakes, not, it's like, when you get to the point where it's like, 
Someone's just you're, like, sorry, dude, you're not cut for like, this. Like, yeah. <laughs> at that point, you're just like, you are just a bad doctor. For whatever reason, you, mm-hmm. if you like, are just, you like, you don't read to the point where you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know any of the right way to do things and you're mm-hmm. doing the wrong things deliberately. That's bad. If you're like making up, so the, we gather all this information about the patient and then present it to the staff or just like, you know, we make decisions based on a lot of information about the patient. If we, if the staff asks us like, Hey, what is going on with this and this? And we say like, you just straight up lie. Cause you don't know, you don't know the answer to whatever their question is. And you just straight up lie about a patient. It's and a it terrible time to lie. To be exactly. Lying. Yeah, exactly. But people will do it because they're scared of saying, I don't or know. Being wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then something bad happens to the patient, stuff like that. If that keeps building up, you know, that's a, it's a fireable offense. Yeah. It is, it is difficult Clearly. to fire a resident, but it's, it's happened. So I feel like you, the, okay. So the, my friend, that's a doctor, he's shown me this uh, book that he has kind of like a cheat sheet that he's made Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. throughout his like studies and whatnot. And it's literally like a doorstopper. Like it's this, this, this like gigantic. all the notes he's taken. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I would imagine, like under general surgery, there's a lot of things you. Do. Well, being a doctor in general, you have to know yeah. a lot of things. But I guess in your specific like concentration, your the amount, like the range of stuff that you would have to know is that is that probably more than just. I think the range any- of stuff we have to know is for general surgery. It's probably less than like actually it is less than regular internal medicine like just mm-hmm. that's like a regular doctor i guess mm-hmm. i don't even know what a regular doctor is but anyway um but it's because it's general surgery is a wide variety of surgical topics so like yeah. breast surgery vascular surgery cardiothoracic surgery what do you what do you think you'll like end up doing your fellowship in you don't know yet i don't know <laughs> And you ask any of the people that I know up in Indiana and they'll say, I say something different every single day yeah. right now, probably pediatric surgery, but okay. I change my mind all the time. Based on how well your week is going. Yeah, probably based <laughs> on how happy really I am stressful, that day. If something really stressful happens in pediatric, you know, pediatric surgery. Yeah. If something goes wrong, I'll be like, I'll be like, ah, I'm not doing this anymore. And that, that's the, that's the complaint people have about pediatric surgery. Cause when something goes wrong and, kids i mean it's a kid yeah so at least at least in adult surgery you know you're mostly dealing with elderly patients because you don't really get sick to the point where you need a surgery until you're older really really old yeah and so you can you can argue that you're you know you know if they're that sick how much of a life did they really have left i mean you can make arguments about like a kid you know like obviously they had their whole life. So, so okay. So you're in Indiana, right? Yeah. You just got off like, I'm guessing your hours are like crazy. It's not great. Yeah. So you just got off doing something crazy, and it was something bad happened. Like you made some mistake. Sure. I'm guessing all of your friends are also like in like trying to become doctors. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. I so I, like, I'm pretty sure. I don't know anyone in Indiana is, who's not a doctor. I know. So do you guys just have like a water cooler moment where you're like, yeah, I really fucked up today. Like, oh, dude, all the time. We we literally, well, we used to have like weekly, just we'd all go get margaritas and just vent about all the shit that <laughs> happens. 
whether it was shit that we did wrong or just like being yelled at or just being so tired, we had, we would have venting sessions. What what was like a typical day for you? So like a schedule in terms of like hours. It depends on what rotation you're on, but I would say on average. So like, rounds for the most part starts at six o'clock, mm-hmm. and rounds is when you go see all the patients on your list, all the patients that you're covering see how they're doing, things like that. So rounds is at six, but that means for for most people, that means you have to come in 30 minutes to an hour early and like look at all the patients, look at the things that happened overnight, look at the new lab values from the morning, create a plan for everything. You're just So basically it's just like you're trying to be exposed to many different variables so that in the long run, you'll learn, you'll know what to do in certain situations. Yeah, I mean, the, so the key is always the details. It's not even just the long run. It's like you have to know all the information that is given to you. Yeah. Every single day, yeah. and if you don't keep track of all those details, you're gonna miss something. It's it's very very easy to miss something. Yeah. It's way easier to miss something than it is to catch it. So, mm-hmm. if you don't <laughs> come in early and look at everything look at all the information that there is about the patient for that day, then you're going to miss something. So there's, there's that part. And then rounds at six rounds takes an hour on most surgical rotations. You get to the pre-op area at seven o'clock pre-op your patients, which means, you know, go say hi to them, make sure they're consented and everything. Operations usually start seven thirty to eight, probably closer to eight. And then you, for the most part, you operate until three, 4 PM. And then you, that's a, that's really like, that's a diligent amount of work. Like it is a lot of work. Yeah. So, so mean, th- and this is, this is like the, there's different members of the team and different members of the team are doing different things, but mm-hmm. that's kind of the usual thing. And then like three or four, you go kind of re round on people. Is there like, did you figure out any way to find balance during those? During no, that time? no, you didn't. there's no, no balance. <laughs> there's no <laughs> balance. So in between cases, a case on a normal thing, let's say it takes two hours, then you get like a 20, 30 minute break in between cases while they like turn up, clean over the room and everything. And in but that that's time, not, you that's get a not like a It's not like an everyday thing. No, that's that's basically everyday. So you were doing that Monday to Sunday for two years. So sa- no, Saturday and Sunday, again, this is all dependent on the rotation you're on because it can be completely different. If you're on like the acute care services, it's totally dependent on what comes yeah. in it's that those are like the elective surgery rotations where this person is scheduled to have this operation but if you're on the acute care services then it's you are on call for any emergent things that happen whether it's trauma or someone needs an emergent operation was there any like was there any chance for you to have somewhat of a college experience what do you mean like oh you, you mean when i was in college yeah yeah i mean i feel like i had a decent college experience i don't know if it was like the average. I mean, I wasn't in a frat or anything, but yeah. I mean, but like at least. I mean, most of my friends at SMU weren't in a frat. Oh, I see. Okay, so then, like, also then when you when you were doing, it was residency, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when you were doing that, that's why I was asking about the balance situation because you you would at least have weekends going. For so, I felt like did like you still have time to hoop and stuff? Like, I feel like you wouldn't. On Sundays, we had, for a while, we had. Uh, a weekly thing where it was like the attending, the faculty surgeons versus the resident surgeons. Sometimes, sometimes they mixed it. Dude, so it was like once a week, you had that. Huh? That's like, 
that's like some pretty extreme shit. Like they get really competitive. Yeah, especially if like if some shit's like been going on during <laughs> during the daytime yeah. or something. Yeah. Like I'm gonna take it out of you in the, in I, the court. Maybe gang, some, gang. Like, maybe drop sometimes these, drop I these wanted buckets to. on you for <laughs> killing maybe that dude or whatever. I wanted to. No, I, so I would say, so the, we're allowed to work 80 hours a week. You are not allowed to work more than that. Technically. Nobody works 80 hours a week. Everyone works more than 80 yeah, hours I'd a week. Yeah, I imagine. All the time. Because it's not just, so like I said, you get there at like, you get there essentially at like 5 a.m. And you're really working till like, let's say 6 or yeah, 7 p.m. I was about to say, I feel like during that time, I only saw you probably like, Never. four times like once yeah. once or twice a year yeah and then you would just show up and be like whoa cyrus yeah i mean i would show up just, for a weekend and then I just you would just appear and then vanish instantly yeah. and then <laughs> when i got here i was so tired from the lack of sleep i would just sleep all day yeah you were worthless back then i'm just kidding. i was <laughs> try to it's so cold in here i don't understand how you live in this i i did you not see me? I I changed the. You're wearing uh, shorts and a t-shirt. I know. I just I can't, my fing I can't feel my fingers right now. I try to change the the Nest thermostat. That one I think is like, it's supposed to learn how I like it. So I, I was setting it to be forty two like, degrees. It's sixty something in here right now. I feel like I'm in an operating room right now. Is it this cold in an operating room? Yeah, sometimes. Is is that just for like a hygiene reason? No, I don't. I have no idea what the reason is, honestly. And most of the stuff that we do, it's actually better if it's warm. Yeah. So wouldn't you? In need, terms of the patient, you it's need, actually better if it's warm. You need to be like have dexterity, like you're. Oh, I mean, there's that, but you're when you're actually like the body is. Once you're in the body, your hands are very warm. <laughs> I was talking about the patient itself. It's not a lot of the body patient heat to get cold. exchange going on. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of body <laughs> heat inside the body. Have you, have you, you haven't operated yet. Yeah, I do it all the time. What was the last operation you have, you've done? Well, I mean, I haven't since I came on research. The last thing I did, it was actually a big deal. What did I do? Was it the spleen? No, it wasn't the spleen. One of the last cases I did was a guy came in with a spleen that ruptured. So we had to take that out. That was an emergency. How do you? Time. Like, give me the the cliff notes on how do you fix a spleen. We don't fix it. You can fix it. You can fix a spleen. But most people, if there's an issue with the spleen, you just take it out. There's a saying in surgery where the spleen, the home of the spleen is in a bucket. As in, out of the body and into a bucket that goes to the pathology lab. <laughs> what, was the, what was the other, like, that was your first or second or third surgery? No, I've been doing it for two years, man. We do it every day. So now what, I don't do it every day, but the second year I did a lot more than the first year. Is it what? So like, were you were you like the main like were you the quarterback in the surgery or were no, you like were I you mean, like the first? Essentially, no. I'm not at that level yet. You have to be like a basically third, fourth, fifth year. Yes, first and second year. No, you're essentially just assisting. So you feel like nothing has disgusted you at some at at this point. Like no decisions are run through me. No, no, like nothing, nothing has that you've seen it can disgust you anymore. No, not at all. Not at all. Oh, I've, oh man, no. What was not at all. what was your first surgery like? Like so, you, the very first surgery I did in residency was a it's called a partial mastectomy. So you take a piece of breast tissue, take out some cancer from the breast. 
So that that sounds pretty. <laughs> it's very pretty easy. easy. It's breast tissue is basically just fat. So yeah. you're literally just cutting Wait, out a on. chunk of fat. Adipose tissue. Adipose tissue. Oh wow! Buckets. I could be a doctor. <laughs> That's all you need. Um, I have. It's really bothering <laughs> me that I can't remember the last surgery I did because it was actually like a really big deal. It's so funny. I know like really random tidbits of like medical facts, and so my my, my my doctor friend, I was with him, and oh, I remember he, what that was. Go ahead. He uh, he was like, we were sitting down. And he's like, man, my chest really hurts. I was like, costochondritis. He's like, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> that's very good. I didn't know what that was before medical school. Did I just teach you something? I know what it is now. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, okay, so the last case I ever did in residency, which is not over, but the last case I did before I went to research. Yeah. This guy had a peptic ulcer. You know what a peptic ulcer is? Uh, something in the stomach. Yeah, an ulcer in your stomach. Yeah. Technically, his was in his duodenum, which is the small what? intestine. <laughs> what? The duodenum. It's the small intestine right after your stomach. Okay. Your stomach is connected to the small intestine. The first portion of the small intestine is called the duodenum. Like the entrance. Uh, like almost the entrance. Yeah. It's like the foyer of your small intestine. The foyer of your small intestine <laughs> is called the duodenal bulb. So close to the foyer of your small intestine. Sure. <laughs> Actually, yeah, there's a lot of ulcers in the duodenal bulb. Anyway, <laughs> so this guy had an ulcer that popped and ruptured. Ew. So he so he had, you know, bile is. Yeah, it produced by the liver. Damn. Yeah. Good shit. Yeah. So your liver makes it, and it goes down, and it goes into your small intestine and breaks down fat. And so his hole was around where that comes in. Okay. And so he's just leaking bile into his abdomen. Ew. It's disgusting. So you have to remove the excess ab. Uh, bile from his abdomen well that part you literally just suction it out you just wash that part you out. put a but you have to you put a vacuum in this man you have to what you put a vacuum in this man no i did not put a vacuum in so how do you get it out you the bile yeah yeah you just suck it out not so like, like a vacuum but like a little like the what they use in uh the dentist office yes right? like, exactly it's a small exactly sucker. like exactly so it's a vacuum it's not a vacuum it's a I mean, mini vacuum it is technically a vacuum. It's a very small vacuum. It is in the physical sense of vacuum. In any way, in any case. So, um, would you, so there's a big hole in his intestine, basically. And so what you do at the, that part of the small intestine is, so your body inside, when you open your belly, there's just a bunch of fat, right? You take a piece of that fat and you just cover the hole with that fat. But you sew it so that it like sews over the top of the fat mm. and keep it on top of that hole. So what if? So that's what we did. So what do you do in the situation where the the patient? You do that for the patient, mm -hmm. but then he becomes like a fitness like guru, and his his fat cells become smaller. Okay. So it scars in after a couple of days. Okay. So it's yeah. like you're using the fat as like a cement. Exactly. Exactly. And, you, and you're just like that's exactly what you're doing. Dude, I, I was a doctor in my second life, for sure. Well, you can still be a doctor. I can just be a very janky doctor. You can still be a doctor. Like that uh, the guy from The Simpsons. You can go to medical school anytime. I don't recommend it, but you can go to medical school What's that guy from The Simpsons, Dr. Nick or whatever? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The really janky doctor. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what he does. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? That was one of the best operations I did in residency. Really? 
It's Ooh. not really like technically challenging, but it's fun. It's emergent. What would you say was the most disgusting? Anything that involves poop. Poop? Which is a lot of things in general surgery. Really? When I, yeah. the most disgusting thing is, so when you're the intern, you, if they're doing an operation that involves. They make the intern deal with the shit? Yes. Like quite like, literally? Like quite literally. <laughs> so as an intern, they were doing some colon operation. And they hook the colon back up together after you take out a piece of it. And so what I had to do was I had to stick a camera, not a camera actually. It's basically a piece of tubing, rigid tubing that goes up the butthole. And I'm looking <laughs> inside <laughs> the butthole. All right. And I okay. blow air into this to you, see if air comes wait, out. Not you, my mouth. Okay. Not my mouth. <laughs> There's a little like pumper thing. Yeah, there's yeah. a little pumper thing that blows air into it. And the whole point is to see if air comes out of their connection, to see if that connection is going to leak. So okay. I had to stick a camera up there. It's not a camera. I don't know why I keep saying camera. You stick a tube up there. You look inside the tube. You see if you're in the right place. If you're in the right place, you close it. You pump it up with air. And just poop shit, comes out. You know, shit is just. You're like displacing the shit. To an extent, yes, but it's like how people try to shit is flowing out. It's, I'll say it's that. like how not a lot, but enough. Would you describe this enough. as like the same way people try to siphon gas from a car? No. It's the same mechanic. But I'm not trying. The intention is not to take out shit. The intention is to blow air into it to see if it's gonna leak. Okay. But in the in the same time, shit is coming out. What do what do hospitals and just like. Like, what do they do with all that excess waste? Like, they oh, can't I just, like, throw it in the garbage, right? Because that's not that's I'm not sure cool. there's a specific waste disposal thing. I don't know where it goes. In landfill? That's, like, really interesting for me, like, to think about. Like, what, do, what do they do with all the, like, extra shit? In it's really weird that that's interesting for you. Well, well I mean, one I, it has surgery. to go somewhere. Like, all, like, if a guy comes in with, like... I try not to think about that. If a guy comes in with, like, IBS... Yeah. IBS is not something you're going to need an operation for. What if, like, in a, in the case that he needs something to stop his IBS? It's not going to be a surgery. Let's um, say he has a colon problem that needs surgery. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now go ahead with your hypothetical. And he's just, like, excre excreting, like, extra stuff. Like, just constantly. And there's just, just buckets. everywhere? Yeah, there's just buckets yeah. of it everywhere. Oh, yeah. Now, so we have a tube for that. When you're pooping that much... You put a tube up the butthole and it collects it all. Jeez. What about like uh, like blood and stuff? Coming out of the butthole? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, that happens too. If a patient is like profusely ble like bleeding. Yeah. And there's just blood everywhere. Yeah. Someone has to clean that up. Yeah. And then the That's stuff. That's not me. I know. But then the stuff that is used to clean it has to be disposed of. Yes. You, they don't teach you this? Like how do they get they rid of it? Well, I mean, like, I feel like if you're, I don't want to, if they're trying to teach me that, I don't want to. No, no, not that you would have to learn how to do it. I'm right. just saying that no, you I have to know where it goes. No, I don't. You don't need to, that's not. So sometimes concern. if they're bleeding out, you can, you know, that little suction tubing I was called. Yeah. I was talking about. You can suction out whatever the blood is and it goes into a, a special, a special bucket that kind of filters out the good blood and you can give it back to the patient. 
I think uh, Suresh was telling me this story one time about how you got uh, blood drawn, mm. and then they tried to put blood like back in his body. Definitely a different thing. Also, I have no idea what he's talking about. After a blood draw, no one is putting blood back. Like, are they transfusing him? No, he said he was like donating blood one time. This was oh, they don't try to put blood back in you. After this was you like donate. yeah, I, I did not they understand what he was saying. This was like this was like eight years ago. Yeah, and he said like they screwed it up and there was just like a thing of blood underneath the skin. Oh yeah, like he had like a hematoma. Yeah, 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 another thing I know. Like hematoma. He had a, he had a yeah. hematoma underneath the skin. Yeah, but they weren't trying to give him blood back. But a hematoma is a thing. A hematoma happens if they like you know you get the IV. Basically, they go through the back wall of the vein, and then there's a little hematoma there. I had one on my um, my pinky toe. I stubbed my toe. This was like a month ago. I stubbed my toe really bad, mm. and I had a hematoma. On the, I went to a doctor to see this because it wasn't going away. Yeah. I had it on the pinky, like the top of my pinky toe. And so it was just like, I thought it was dead skin, like really dead skin. Oh, yeah, it's just purple. Yeah, and so like he just told me like just – Forget about it, and it'll just go away on its own. So one day I went and I played basketball, and then I took my sock off and it was gone. Hmm. I was like, "Where did it go?" Like, it's like a bruise. A bruise is a hematoma, a type of hematoma, very, very, very small hematoma. So it just it just disperses within your body. Yeah, your body reabsorbs it. That's disgusting. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. If you think that's disgusting, what other like disgusting things have you learned that the body can do? Not that something that we would know. That the body can do, yeah, it's capable of doing. That's highly disgusting, but it is like very crucial. It it takes a lot to disgust me. So maybe something that I don't think is disgusting would actually be disgusting to you. So probably it's hard for me to say. But just pick something. Pick something I probably like. Most people don't know. Well, I'm trying to think of what would dis- what actually disgusts me. Anything mucus related disgusts me. Obvious. I have one. Yeah. Go ahead. Um. So, you know, like the forward head posture? No. Like when people are constantly on their computer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the forward head posture, and some people... Talk about kyphosis? Hmm? Kyphosis? Yeah, kypho- the rounding of the upper yeah. back. Yeah. So in some people, and correct me if I'm wrong, some people, they, like, they'll have that posture. They won't do anything to fix it. And so the your head is probably, what, like eight pounds, right? Eight to I ten. I actually pounds. have no idea. So, like, know. on a, I read somewhere that on average, like your your entire head is the equivalent of a bowling ball in weight. That makes sense. And if you're if you're if you have the rounding of the upper back and your your head is physically jutting forward, and so you're not aligned with your shoulders and your hips and everything, your body will pa- start panicking and over time start displacing fat at the base of your neck on the back. It's called Dowager's hump. You ever? You heard? I've never heard of this. It's if you go, if you Google this, it's basically people that just have a giant sack of fat on the back of their neck at the at the base of their neck. So it looks like they have a second belly, like <laughs> on their back. Well, there's a lipoma. You could have a lipoma on your neck. That's a big collection of fat. Maybe it's the same thing. There's just a name for it. And people get it. People get it a lot on their kind of like right where you're talking about. That I consider is disgusting. It's pretty disgusting. Yeah, you have to have. I I just realized what I think is the most disgusting thing. Yeah. The most (laughs) disgusting thing, in my opinion. The body doesn't. I mean, technically, it's not the body doing it, it's an infection. 
Have you heard of Fournier's gangrene? Go I'm going to let you look that one up. It sounds like an infection of the skin of it a wound that doesn't, that doesn't like heal or is not treated well. You're absolutely right. What? Okay, hold on. Pause. Pause. Real quick. I need to Fournier's gangrene. Fournier's gangrene. Did you just text me something? No, I didn't. You should. You want me to text you? Yeah, a text picture? me. Picture. Yeah. You got a picture or just a description? Because I promise you. Give you me a description a first before All I right. start throwing up. Do you want me to say it out loud or do you want me yeah, to? Yeah, say it out loud. Say it on okay, the. So Fournier's gangrene. You were right. It's an infection of the skin that causes the skin and the tissues under the skin to become necrotic. So it's die. It, di it dies off. Okay. So does that happen in frostbite patients? Yes. That's a specific type of necrosis. Okay. But that's due to the cold. So Fournier's gangrene, Fournier's gangrene is a type of necrotizing soft tissue infection, which just means the skin and the tissues underneath it has died. But specifically, Fournier's gangrene is at the groin. Oh, all right, no, no, don't, don't send me a picture of that, please. It is <laughs> the worst thing you will ever <laughs> see in your life. So people just lose like their genitalia or something like. All of the skin and the soft tissue around it, and sometimes genitalia too. It just depends on how far the infection has spread. Jeez, you can lose a lot from any. We call it. We just call it neck bash. You can lose muscle. You can you. You can lose an entire limbs. I recently did a cryotherapy. I, I didn't. No, my this sister has nothing had, to do with. What no, 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 no. I know. <laughs> my sister has that. been trying to get me to. Well, she hasn't. She told me about it. And I've seen people so, do it. So I, I did it. And You're not gonna get they're supposed to give you like gloves and uh, slippers. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, I, I, I've done it many times before. And I've had gloves and slippers. But this was the first time I had done it in maybe like eight months, eight, mm -hmm. nine months. So like, he's like, all right, step into the chamber. I just got in. Like I didn't, I didn't, I, nothing was alarming to me. And then literally near the end of the session, it's three minutes long, near the end of the session, okay. I was like, something, something feels weird. And I look at my, uh, my hands. My hands weren't that bad. I look at my feet. They were pitch white. And I was like, I can't feel my toes. So I'm like, I'm trying to walk, like trying to get them. Oh, yeah. like, and then, you know, it, like the blood, I guess, comes back. Rushing through my toes. Don't you ever get that when you go to the bathroom? You're sitting on the bathroom. Floor? Well, this was different because the next day when I woke up, my feet looked like they were scarred. Like they were like, <clears throat> they were pitch red. So it looked like I had gotten a sunburn on my feet. Can you use the word pitch before all of these? I know pitch black. But are you allowed to use it when you say white or red? I don't know the answer to this. I'm going to guess no. Isn't but I don't it, know the answer. Isn't it a way to like describe how but intense thought, something is? Right, or? but it's specifically for black. Huh. 
I don't know. Continue with your story. Yeah, so, so you're having problems with your feet. So tell me about your feet. No, they're yeah. fine now. I almost called you. It's Suresh. just like they're they're fine now, but like it it felt like I had a severe sunburn on my toes. Oh yeah. So no, I, had I mean put, it is. I had to put aloe vera. A on cold it. burn is is almost the same thing. I mean, as it burns. Yeah. So I had burns on my yeah on my toes, yeah. just my toes, and yeah. like part of my my heel, and so I would just. It, it was really painful when I had to put like aloe vera and stuff on it just to, like get it to be normal again. And then all that skin dried up. Yeah. And at the, around that time is when I had that hematoma on my pinky. So I was just a mess. And hooping actually made it better because all the dead skin was like slowly peeling off. But yeah, if you do, if you do do uh, cryo, make sure you wear your slippers. The ones that they give you, the thick ones and, and the gloves. I don't think I'm going to be doing that anytime soon. Your your sister tried to make you do it or what? I think she I can't remember if she did it or she wanted to do it or she, I can't remember. She mentioned it. That's all I can remember. You're not I think the my situation would have been better had I not gone in uh post workout. Like immediately after cuz you're apparently like if you even have the slightest bit of sweat on you that's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's like and I was I was completely dry like I just didn't realize that there was well, probably your sweats. skin was still moist. Yeah, I didn't realize that my socks were probably still had like a hint of sweat in them. So yeah, yeah. that was a bad that was a bad call. <laughs> oh, oh, I wanted to ask you this. All right, so oh, what, I want to ask you something actually. Go ahead. All right, so uh, what are you researching right now? So this is difficult to put in layman's terms. Actually, it's not that difficult. So. Right now I'm doing transplant research and specifically within liver transplant. So what I'm doing is what they normally do in a liver transplant is you take the liver out of the patient who died and you sort of freeze the liver so that it doesn't, you know, so that it, all of its cells aren't still trying to get mm -hmm. oxygen. And you freeze the liver until you put it into the next patient or until you put it in the patient that needs the transplant. So what we're doing is looking at, and we're not, this is like a big thing around the country and we're doing, you know, we're just like part of this, is you take it out of the patient who died and then put it on a pump. And the pump kind of revives the liver for a few hours. Mm -hmm. And then you put the, the liver in the patient. So what we're doing is, well, specifically what I'm working on is looking at what are the effects on the liver from being on the pump. And part of it is just, is this pump worth it at all? They've done a bunch of studies that say that this pump works. Like mm -hmm. it's good. It works. It's just as good as freezing the liver. Now the question is, is, is that better than just freezing the liver? And the next question is, is if it is, some, some, of, the, some of the studies say that it is better. But the other question is, is, the whole point of it is so that you can take a liver that's normally like, this is a shit liver. We can't use this. And like. Revitalize it. Right. Revitalize it and then put it into someone and then they do fine. And if they can do that, then there's a lot more livers that can be used because all the talk in transplant is, hey, we have all these livers, mm -hmm. all these patients waiting for livers, all these patients waiting for kidneys, do you all think, these patients uh, waiting for whatever organ. Do you okay. So say, say that works out. Yeah. And then like 
50 years from now yeah do you think getting a liver transplant is like vanity for people that's like have cirrhosis of the liver like oh let me just get a liver transplant so i can just keep drinking so there is a very very rigorous like pre-transplant thing that you have to go through before you're even eligible for a transplant Mm -hmm. and you're not necessarily excluded just because you're an alcoholic but that's kind of the old way of thinking about it is that if you're an alcoholic you're not allowed to get a new liver so but nowadays it's not necessarily true if but if you do get a liver there's a lot of things you have to go through not to say that a doesn't happen that someone who's an alcoholic who gets a liver ends up drinking again i'm sure that happens yeah i that would be stupid to say that that doesn't happen but it's you have to go through so much before you get the liver i don't think it's it's not it's not often enough to where it's like a thing you know yeah and i i would imagine if someone has to get a new liver like they're not gonna mess up that opportunity if i would hope not but (laughs) patients are fucking crazy people are stupid Okay, so what is it that you wanted to ask me? Shit, I forgot. Are you oh. su- are you surprised that sorry? Are you surprised no. that I know what cirrhosis of the liver is too? I've dropped some a lot of medical knowledge. I'm on very this. happy that you know certain things. Certain things. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm surprised. Honestly, people who know what cirrhosis of the liver is, it's probably not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I learned it from Scrubs. But I mean, I yeah. learned it from Scrubs. So honestly, like I said, dude, Scrubs is very accurate. Very the first. Accurate. The first season is very accurate, and I, and part of the reason I know that is because I had read that some of the the like they got stories from actual residents and used them yeah. in the episodes. But so it's, it is very accurate, and then the next few episodes on from there, it gets less and less realistic as it goes. Yeah, on. but absolutely. Anyway. So um, yeah. Anyways, so my question to you, and this doesn't have to go on the podcast, but I'm asking everyone now: Should I get a dog? <laughs> Only do you if, have a dog? I don't have a dog. Do you have any animals? Do you have a cat? I don't have any animals. I can and see I don't you being have a cat. You could have a cat roaming around this motherfucker. No, I don't want a cats are way too mysterious, dude. They're just I, like plotting. Like they're plotting something cats that they're the never worst. gonna do because they're so fucking lazy. Like cats are the absolute worst. I'm not gonna have a cat. Maybe sometime in the future I'll get a dog. But like you have to be okay with losing that dog at some point. I mean, yes, I, 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 that's a big factor I didn't necessarily think about, but I don't think that is going to be enough. You're going to gonna sway get me. attached to this dog. Yeah. But I don't think that's enough to sway me from not getting a dog. No, no, no. Getting a dog is a fantastic experience, especially if it really loves you. <laughs> like, but then one day it's going to go and like, you have to be okay with it because it's just, it's living sure. its course. That's the only thing. It is fair. And it's not something I specifically thought about. So that's a fair point. And I appreciate your perspective on that. Do you, I mean, do you have time? You don't think you have time for a dog right now? Well, the thing is, is right now I do. So you're going to have a dog for two, two years? years of research? I don't really work. I mean, I work like normal, normal people hours. Yeah. So you yeah. have a, t- you, okay. So you have a typical nine to five, let's just say. Yeah. And, and especially right now, right now, I'm not working on a lot later. It's going to get worse, but right now I'm not doing like anything. I'm barely working. Like this would be a perfect time for five you hours to a uh, start a medical podcast or something. If you have free time, you should do it. What do you think I should talk about in my... This is a question we should talk about. What should I talk about in my podcast? What kind of things should I do? You could talk about 
things that you've learned and how have you fixed your mistakes? Like what we talked about earlier, maybe not give like examples or situations that you of what you've done, but like when this happened, I did this. And I, and I, I don't know if this sort of exists out there, but like someone that's your age and your like predicament, I feel like people don't mm. talk about that enough. So like someone that was in your shoes could listen to your podcast and be like, oh, if that happens to me, I'll know what to do. You're talking about specific circumstances or like you take the story and then you generalize it yeah to apply to life. yeah so like what that whole um dialysis story yeah like you could break it down and be like oh if the patient has low blood pressure this sort of dialysis works for them if they have low blood pressure or whatever like i'm i'm i don't obviously i'm not a doctor so i don't know like anything about that but like you could put it in such a way that it would make sense to people that are in residency or whatever. Interesting. Interesting. Cyrus, where can they find you? Where can Insta- they find me? Instagram? They can find Snapchat, me on Instagram. I don't know. What do you use nowadays? I don't really use anything but Instagram. You want to plug your Instagram? Not sure. Really. I don't care. <laughs> well, this is for you. Yeah, this, it's this fine. This is your moment. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a moment. My, my Instagram is Kafpour, which is C-A-F. P O U R. Uh, everything else I don't really. Use. I feel like you use LinkedIn a lot. No, I don't. I feel like you do though. <laughs> I don't think. What's your I LinkedIn? I have not logged into my LinkedIn account for about five years. I hate LinkedIn. I've never. I I may have made an account and then never used it again. What's your LinkedIn? I have no idea. You don't know your LinkedIn? probably Kafpour. Kafpour. Okay. But I have no idea. LinkedIn.com/slash. What was it? Kafpour? It may not even be Kafpour. C-A-F-P-O-U-R? Yeah. If it's Kafpour, I'll be shocked. But I use that for a lot of things, so it might be. You should probably go update that. I'm sure you have a picture of you in like a coat and everything, right? There was something about a suit. This was, this was, I will tell you when I made it. It was some point in college, and I haven't used it since then. How long ago was college? About 30 years ago? Yeah. I, I hate LinkedIn. Probably the most, like, I think it's more pretentious. You're talking about it a lot, even though you hate it. Yeah, it's more pretentious than Instagram, in my opinion. Look what I'm doing in my life. Look how much money I'm making. Look at this job I have. God. Let me post, let me post like 20 inspirational posts on here. I can't do that. That's not for me. All right. What episode is this? 12. 12? No, nah, it's 13. It's 13. <laughs> is it 13? No, I think it's 12. I think it's 13. Let me look it up. I bet it's 12. I think it's 13. Where we at? It is 12. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 12. We out.